Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your super secret agent host, Javi. <laughs> and we are back to our James Bond series, uh, second episode. Woo! Uh, so this is a, obviously like we said before, we are not going in the chronological order of these, these movies. Except we accidentally to... went in chronological order well, in terms today. Of the movies we pick, yes, we are going to be going in the order of the James Bond series. But, um, in terms of, like, you know, we're not watching every movie in the series. Oh, fuck I mean. no. That's, like, 25 years worth of movies. And <laughs> this isn't a complete retrospective. I don't so. want to watch fucking Timothy Dalton's fucking dad bod just <laughs> wearing turtlenecks and punching people. Or do I? <laughs> well, Timothy Dalton only does two Bond movies. Really? Yes. Which brings me to this thing. One of the big things that everyone thinks about when they think of this week's movie, which is On Her Majesty's Secret Service... Um, it is the most recognized part of it is that Sean Connery is no longer James Bond and he has been replaced with an actor by the name of George Lazenby who is Marge Simpson's favorite James Bond (laughs) well (laughs) this this will be his first and only time playing the role of James Bond Mm -hmm. now this movie has somewhat of an infamous it's kind of infamous because of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because this guy only did it one time. Because immediately after this movie, when we come back to the series, Diamonds Are Forever is where they bring back Sean Connery for one film, and then after that, they put in, uh, that's where they move over to Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. So, this is kind of like, it feels like the James Bond series is having a bit of an identity crisis at this point. Yeah. And it came off the heels of the last movie, in terms of the actual chronology, the last movie in this series uh, was You Only Live Twice. And in that film, it was the fourth Sean Connery movie, and it uh, introduced us for the very first time to Ernest Blofeld, who is, you know, very much considered the... Because <laughs> it always goes back to Batman. He is the Joker to James Bond's Batman. Shout out to the guy that like <laughs> that tagged us in the in the uh, in his story, saying if we could start a petition to name Angel the Dark Knight, <laughs> just change his name legally to the Dark Knight. I'm I am a hundred percent behind that. I'm gonna go on change.org right now. It <laughs> starts a petition, but uh, yeah, so this is. This is the main villain in the James Bond franchise in, that was introduced in the last film. And he was played for the first and only time by Donald Pleasance, who we remember from Halloween. Whack. And, uh... It's... Telly it's, Savala is my Blofeld. Well, yeah, if you see him as Blofeld, you know exactly where Mike Myers got the inspiration for Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. Mike Myers, like, the comedian, not Mike... Myers, the killer that yeah. Donald Pleasance goes <laughs> yes, on the I mean, the guy who used to be on SNL in the 90s and then started making movies and then made movies so bad that he's not in movies anymore. Shut up. Love <laughs> Guru was great. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> that wasn't reductive or hurtful in any way. <laughs> um... So, this uh, this movie, they completely recast the character of not just Bond, but also Blofeld. Mm-hmm. And he is played by Telly Savalas, who is most famously known for the 1970s detective show Kojak. Well, you may know him as that, but I went through a very, like, hardcore war movie phase, and he was in every World War II movie I ever watched. <laughs> he was in fucking Kelly's Heroes with a young, handsome Clint Eastwood. 
He was in Dirty Dozen with Lee Marvin and I think uh fuck, what was the guy from Death Death uh Death Wish? Charles Bronson. Yeah. He was with Charles Bronson. He was the creepy, vaguely rapey looking ethnic guy. <laughs> um, I remember him. Well, obviously, I never watched Kojak either. But what I mostly remember Telly Savalas from, and will always love it, is uh, he did an episode of The Twilight Zone uh, where he had, I believe, he was a stepdaughter. And the entire episode revolved around his stepdaughter's doll who was trying to kill him. <laughs> It's actually, it sounds like goofy, but it's... <laughs> no, I'm sure it's good. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the darker, like, episodes of that series, and probably one of the best, in my opinion. No, you know what's funny is that, I'm sorry for the tangent, it's just funny with Twi- old Twilight Zone, because it feels like old Twilight Zone had really, like, dumb-sounding concepts that were really good, and then when Forrest Whitaker Twilight Zone came around, they had really cool concepts that when you, they acted them out, they looked terrible. Mm. So, I don't know. I just thought it was a weird juxtaposition. Well, but. I feel like the 2019 Twilight Zone, which I said I was going to review in a podcast episode and I never did in you year one. You are such a liar. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, that series was actually pretty good. But. Are you going to ever do a podcast episode by yourself? Maybe. You're not. Quit fucking lying. <laughs> I have to fucking watch Twilight Zone now for you to... God damn it. Anyway, what's your first experience with On Her Majesty's Secret Service? This episode. <laughs> well, the only other experience I have with this is you telling me that you getting super fucking horny for Casino Royale back in like 2005. And then being like, yeah, that movie's gonna pull from like... Or whenever Casino Royale came out. 2008? 2006. Uh, 2008 was uh, Quantum of Solace. Oh, fuck. So there's a chance, and I know that we probably didn't interact as much. I feel like in in, in our high school years, we didn't interact as much. Nah, because that was fucking edgy starting fires. <laughs> fire. 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 I was just listening to fucking Pantera and starting but I fires. But like, I feel like when we're closer to, like, between 2010 and 2012, when Skyfall was coming out, that's probably most likely when we talked Bond for the first time. That was primetime Javi years. <laughs> Javi and Angel years. No, but I just remember you telling me that you were all hella horny for fucking... That was literally the two years when we first started talking about doing a podcast. And then it only took us <laughs> ten years later to finally do it. <laughs> But yeah, like, you were telling me how Casino Royale was going to draw more from In Her Majesty's Secret Service, and I was like, cool! And then, like, kind of went along with it, because i never seen it. Mm-hmm. And then I always heard, I, like, I kept hearing about it, but I was like, I'm, I'm never going to track this goddamn movie down. And then you put it on the list, and I'm like, great, now I have to fucking watch this goddamn movie. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, this is, I think, probably my third or fourth time watching this movie. Um, the first time that I watched it, uh, it was again in my high school years when I watched it on Spike TV. <laughs> no, a lot of this is on Spike. Yeah, a lot of these early, a lot of these early James Bond movies. That's where I saw them. I saw them on television on like a Saturday afternoon when I had nothing else going on. Man, I can't believe Spike TV was so formative like, <laughs> for both of us. Um, but the second or third time that I watched this movie um, was actually. I watched it on date night with my now wife. We get it. You're married. God. Well, this was like early <laughs> on in our in our time dating. And to be honest, I had completely forgotten this. And the only reason why either one of us remembered was the was one of the scenes in the middle 
the hypnotize the scene where Blofeld <laughs> is hypnotizing the women. Yeah. Yeah, apparently that was like the scene that like triggered memories in my wife where she remembered, Oh yeah, we saw this together a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> she was like, Yeah, you hypnotizing me and loving you, <laughs> asshole. Um but you know, yeah. It's funny, <clears throat> James Bond and Ro- and Rocky. The Rocky franchise and James Bond for some reason were very important in your relationship. <laughs> Well, the Rocky series is important to us because it's the only franchise where both of us watched those movies like and had an appreciation for them before we actually met each other. Yeah, but like I was saying... This that, one, particularly, we remember it because I'm very into Bond. And, and I, I forced of, her to watch it. Yeah, I mean, like, again, my wife is the most casual watcher of anything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, like, I'd say, all right, well, what do you want to do? She'd be like, I don't know, you pick something. So that's when I. So was you're like, well, I'm picking one out. Yeah, I'm like, all right. Well, looks like we're watching on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And then she's like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, how do you feel about '60s cinema? Not to mention, I was like a major hipster. This is back when I was in. Was film. this is when I was in film class? So it was. I was in the height of my wearing scarves and <laughs> I was wearing scarves. Fucking... <laughs> this is why we didn't hang out. I wore scarves. We did hang out at this time. I did wear scarves. I knew I, you when you were a douche. I wore more plaid shirts than, than I had ever God. owned before. So, yeah, definitely. I would have shot you into the sun. <laughs> I would. I used to go around looking for guys like you would push you to the ground. <laughs> anyway, so... Oh, look, there we go. Anyway, so... Should we just get in? Or you got any yeah, other let's get fancy into facts? Nope, so... Uh, the beginning of this movie... <clears throat> is on essentially on the beach, uh, and early on in the film, like there's well, actually it starts in a car, like it starts with a car chase that leads to the beach. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they do in this early part before you know the fight scene breaks out is you're <clears throat> you're essentially obstructed from seeing James Bond's face for a while. So I thought that was really interesting. So yeah. I thought if you were somebody coming into the movie for the first time without having seen much of the trailers, which I think is totally possible in 1969, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't even realize that uh, Sean Connery was no longer James Bond. You wouldn't even realize it's a James Bond movie in the first couple minutes. Well, I mean, if you bought tickets to a James Bond movie, you would know it's a James Bond movie. I mean, it doesn't say James Bond in Her Majesty's Secret Service on the ticket. No, but it starts with the gun barrel sequence, which is a James Bond staple. Oh, my God. I'm saying... Am, okay, am I lying or am I not lying? Shut nerd! Can you fucking type on the movie? <laughs> so, uh, it starts... But yes, you're right. <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> So it starts with this car chase that takes us to the beach where James Bond sees this beautiful woman trying to commit suicide by walking into the ocean. Yes. Now, suicide's never a laughing matter, but the only reason I laugh is because there was several times, and we got this from another podcast, where Angel and I would be so irritated by something that, especially in sports... Our go-to threat was, oh my god, if this happens, I'm going to just walk into the ocean and call it a life. Yeah. So I was like, oh shit, people actually did that. <laughs> and we find out that this woman is Contessa Teresa DiVincenzo. Yes. Or a.k.a. Tracy. I don't fucking get that. But neither here nor there. Well, you know. Americanized nicknames are weird. Yeah. So... For some reason, so this is where I got a little confused right out the gate. Was she being attacked by the dudes that that 
That's an her? absolutely good question that I'm not totally sure about, to be honest. And I don't think it's. Really I think she explained. was. I think she. I think she was someone who was being chased after. So she was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna kill myself." Yeah. And then James Bond is like, "No, stop." And then I employ you to reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets into a fight. And he fights off, like, three dudes. She ends up stealing her car, his car, to drive to her car so that she can escape. Um, right off the bat, I thought the fight scene for, you know, compared to fucking, what was the last Gold one? Finger? Goldfinger to this. Felt a lot more choreographed and okay. a little bit more realistic. I mean, yeah, it was a little campy, ham-fisted. There was a lot of, like, I'm just going to throw haymakers and get lucky. <laughs> No, this movie, I, I have to say it now before we really even get into it that much, I think I learned a real... I, I didn't realize how much I loved this movie until watching it for this episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think it's as much as I love Goldfinger and a lot of the ridiculous aspects of that and how much I staunchly defended that movie and all mm -hmm. of its ridiculous plot points... Um, I realized that a lot of the Bond movies that I like now like in terms of the Craig movies, are closer in are closer in theme to this movie. Mm -hmm. And uh I think I think the ending well the fight scene was very well choreographed and it was a lot darker. And this movie is the only one after Goldfinger that does not have a Bond song that plays through the credits. It is just mm. an original score by John Barry. Mm -hmm. uh, which I love, by the way. That song has been stuck in my head for days. The theme song for this. <laughs> my only complaint with the weird-ass fight scenes in this movie is they speed up at random times. Yes. During all action sequences for some fucking reason. Like, I, I was gonna ask you, I'm like, do you know why they do that? Is I really don't know why that is. And, yeah, my wife my wife totally called it out while we were watching it. Where it's like, sometimes it feels like this frame rate was slowed down. And other times it feel like the frame rate was really sped up. Yeah, and I'm just like, but you can tell it was done purposefully. Because it, I don't think you and I both have that shitty internet connections that it would happen only during the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was really weird, but at the very at the same time, like um, I I immediately right off the first fight scene, I can see what you were saying way back when, how Casino Royale was closer in theme to this movie because yeah. even like right off the bat, it gave me that that feel of when Daniel Craig's chasing parkouring around yeah. and chasing that dude and getting in that fucking brutal ass fight. All right, George Lazenby. Let's have a quick chat about him before we really get into the plot of this movie. More. He's handsome AF. <laughs> He's the youngest actor to portray James Bond in a mm -hmm. James Bond film, which again, uh, especially by You Only Live Twice, Sean Connery was really starting to show in age. I think there was yeah, a point in. Feet. I think there was a point in the later Bond films where they actually put toupee on him. Oh no way! Are yeah, you serious? Because he was balding younger Yikes. than people had anticipated. So this guy is definitely a lot younger. He is a lot more handsome. Nineteen sixty nine handsome. I know, which is fucking a ten in nineteen sixty nine is like a fucking pile of fucking dog turds <laughs> yeah. now. Um. So. This guy was originally picked from a commercial that the producers watched. I guess mm. in in London there's something called Fry's Chocolate or Fry's Chocolate Cream. Um, and Fucking he was the fruit. spokesperson for this. Um, and there's commercials on YouTube for it. 
Now, he's not the first person that I know got got a big part based on being in a commercial. Because, because it always goes back to Batman. Oh my fucking god. Uh, there's an actor by the name of Adam West who was famous for doing Nesquik commercials for years before he got the role in the 1960s Batman TV series. I just want to take this time <laughs> to say your love of Batman is almost unhealthy. <laughs> and also the Brits have the most disgusting food and stupidly named food ever. If it's chocolate bars or whatever the fuck. You know what? I'm going to need you to relax. No, 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 no. Because no, no, no. no, I, no, no, I, no I have no, a huge no, gripe. No, because, because they're, called, they're not called chips. They're called fries. Oh. And they're not called crisps. They're called chips. You know what? I have a boss at work who is English. Oh! And you know what? And, and if he hears... If he ever hears this podcast and hears you slander... Good! Uh, ...British food, I swear to God, I'll get fired. Oh, I'm sorry. What's his favorite snack? Is I'll it, be out in the street. Is it the weird fucking baked beans on toast? That sounds delicious. That sounds... Shut up! Oh, fuck With you. your bland-ass fucking taste buds. <laughs> They're just beans on toast! Well, it's also... Uh, okay, so I went on a business trip last year to... Uh, Vancouver, right in Canada, actually had in their uh, convenience store, uh, they have a lot of British chocolate. So because I did go for a work function and my boss happened to be there, he bought like three giant plastic sacks of all this British chocolate. <laughs> He's like, oi governor, Angel, you ever had a Cadbury egg before? <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> and then he just... You know, fucking twirls his Twilby hat. Because I should have never even, like, moved the conversation. <laughs> chip, chip, cheerio. So James Bond movies. <laughs> Drives away in his double-decker bus. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, so, um, after he saves uh, Tracy from these nameless bad guys... He, I believe that's when he goes back to... No, he doesn't go back to London yet. Um, he ends up meeting... He ends up meeting Mark Andradrako? I can't fucking pronounce these names. He's like a... He's a, he's a crime boss, though, right? Like, he yes. goes back to his hotel. He gets jumped by... Uh, or as the kids say, the Draco. When they're talking about guns. Really? Yeah, hit you with the Draco. Man, I am so not a youth anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Know that's what the kids talking say. Talking about 60s movies, we're using <laughs> modern slang. <laughs> this slap. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh no, I'm lying. They they went back to a card game, right? He went back to a card game at the casino in the hotel. Yes. And then Because that's where he sees... Uh, that's where he sees Tracy again. That's right, he sees Tracy again. It kind of, it's not too dissimilar from Goldfinger, right? Like in the No, not that, in that sense. Yeah, the hotel looks the exact same! Yeah, you get the action sequence, you get the credits, and then after the credits, you somehow end up back in a gambling situation, and then that's where, uh... <laughs> I guess they're playing Blackjack... And she doubles down or some shit, and, like, she she buys her way into the game just to lose by busting. Yeah. And he, she ends up owing, like, what was it, like, $20,000. <laughs> she literally just wants to get her legs broken she, by the mob. <laughs> she's just like, and it's all funny because she's hella confident, and as soon as she loses, she goes, like, like her face changes, she's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then James Bond 
This is the most, and it's funny that you texted it to me last night where you said this James Bond's a simp. Because you're right. <laughs> this yeah. is the most, like... Hey, he's very sensual. He is very, like... I, I. This is the first time where I felt like Bond was really in love with somebody besides Moneypenny. Yeah. Um, and even then, it's like, I don't know, it's like, Sean Connery always comes off as a bit of a sexist pig. Rapey? <laughs> and <laughs> I, what I do appreciate about Lazenby is, despite the fact that he has sex with, like, twice the amount of women, he does have a more, like, I don't know, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't he, have the, he, he looks like a, the type of dude to only do it in missionary because he wants to look him <laughs> in the eyes. He doesn't grab women and slap them on the butt as they walk away. Like, But then how do they know that you like them if you don't do that? <laughs> yeah, like what I mean is he's just more likable in this role. No, definitely. He's a, like, the uh, the way he's characterized around women, his relationship with women in this movie is completely different. Um, the On Her Majesty's Secret Service book, I think one of the things that's important to note about this is that this movie is very close in... Uh, in ter- not just in terms of style and tone to the Ian Fleming book, but is actually a direct adaptation. And I think there's certain parts of the the book where, um, I guess, uh, what we're reading on IMDb is that this movie kind of posits, at least in terms of, it feels like it implies that this is the first time that Blofeld and Bond are, are seeing each other mm-hmm. as villains. So, despite the fact that it is a quote-unquote sequel to You Only Live Twice... It feels more like a soft reboot of the franchise. Kind of like, you know, like that Ang Lee Hulk movie that came out in 2003? I really wish I didn't <laughs> remember that movie, but yes. And then how it's followed up by, like, the Edward Norton Hulk movie, where it's, like, vaguely kind of a sequel, but mostly just a brand new thing. And then Mark Ruffalo comes about, and it's like... They're like, we're done making <laughs> new Hulk movies. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Enjoy him. <laughs> So yeah, it's definitely that's 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 how I feel about this is that this is very much a soft reboot, which is good if you're again, we're not watching all the movies in the franchise. It's kind of good to have a launching point in this film. I do like that the relationship between Bond and Moneypenny stays intact in mm-hmm. this. Uh it feels it you know, again, they definitely feel like they have you know, feelings for each other, uh but they will never be together. Uh, Lois Maxwell, the actress who plays uh, Money Penny, is obviously, you know, because she was working opposite side of Sean Connery for so long, and the and George Lazenby is a lot younger. She feels a lot, you know, she does, yeah, she feels like older. Just like looking at them side by side, she seems a lot older, but she is very much still the same character. Nah, they're still flirty AF. Yeah, so um, Uh, you know, she was. I actually heard she was aged. Severely by having to fight off Sean Connery's sexual advances, which were constant. No, I'm, I'm lying. I don't. <laughs> I, I made that up. Anyway, uh, before anyway, we'll get back to the actual plot of the of the story here. But yeah, once Tracy gets bailed out by Bond from this like awkward card situation casino part, um, she decides to thank him by inviting her to his ho- but to her hotel room for sex. Or so he thinks. <laughs> yeah. But then Bond gets there, and then he gets, like, attacked. And it, I feel like 
it's funny, like, every time Bond is in a hotel room, like, in any movie in the series, I feel like there's gonna be a scene where he's in a hotel room and he, like, someone tries to, like, garrot wire him and attack him, even though I'm not certain that I've actually seen that exact scenario in a But movie. at this point, it's the only thing they haven't done. <laughs> he's had a fucking hat thrown at him. Uh, after, you know, once he is attacked by this fucking, what is it, goon, <laughs> he he ends up uh, kind of, like, beating him up and knocking him out, and once he's got that guy out of the way, he goes back to his room, and Tracy's in his room, um, and, like, I guess he feels like he's been set up, which, you know... Very not, fair, that's kind of what yeah. I thought happened, too. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking it was a situation where her job was to set him up, so mm-hmm. that he can be kidnapped. Um, but anyway, Bond is kidnapped. <laughs> the yeah, next so morning. They, yeah, the so next they morning. have sex, and then the next morning when Bond wakes up, that's when he gets kidnapped. No, what's really funny is that Tracy leaves the $20,000 chips for him because she's like, I always repay my debts. And yeah. I was like, yeah, how does that feel, James? How does it, how does it feel for you to be objectified this time? <laughs> it's true. She feel, I'll, I'll say this. In this movie, Tracy Bond feels like an equal to James Bond. Yeah, she all she wants, she's just always trying to bang, and he's like, no, stop, please. Yeah, like, I feel like, you know, we talked about, how about this? We talked about the role of, like, women when we, when we talked about Goldfinger and how the character of Pussy Galore, you know, seemed like she was kind of a... In some ways, she was a preview of, like, the modern woman feminist that we would see in the next decade, in mm-hmm. some ways, because she was had her own, like, pilots and stuff like that. Um, this is this feels like a much more subdued and just better version of a that. A not-over-the-top bullshit version of yeah. that. <laughs> well, like, a lot of stuff from this movie compared to the last one, it's just not as over-the-top. Because that's the thing, Tracy is not, like, <clears throat> honestly, the way she dresses, and of course, the, most of the movie takes place in the snow... Like, they don't really go out of their way to put her in swimsuits or really over-sexualize her in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many ways, she does, like like you said, she's she's 007's equal to the point where during the big, uh, the big, um, what's it called, uh, the conflict, like the major conflict in the film, like she actually holds her own, is able to fight off some goons, like, hand-to-hand, right? So, it's really interesting how they portray her. Definitely different from anything I've seen up until now. As far as, like, chronologically, right? Yes. So, the people that he's actually kidnapped is uh, are the goons of Mark Onstraco, who is, I guess, Tracy's father, right? Yeah! Uh, Don't even give... This This is where it gets super weird! Yeah, so this is... <laughs> it... it, it Feel, yeah, this guy basically... He's like, I need him. you to marry my daughter. Okay. I'll pay you money. I'm gonna try to avoid going to Batman. Because <laughs> Go I wanna ahead. keep going back. It's gonna be... It's this gonna is be literally... Mask of the Phantasm, isn't it? No, it's literally just gonna be like... <laughs> God, I don't want to do this. You're gonna I feel like it. this is gonna be the theme of our entire episode. That's the theme of our entire show. That's true. All right. <laughs> Who so, cares? if you ever read the story, the uh, the Batman story, Birth of the Demon, it is Batman being captured by Ra's al Ghul, who is a global crime lord who has a daughter Talia, who he like wants to marry Batman because they want to have like you know perfect kids and stuff like that that are gonna be like warlords. For you video game nerds, this is Resident <clears throat> Evil 2, the remake, where Chris Redfield wants Leon Kennedy to have sex with his sister. 
Oh, all right. There you go. That's a more modern take. <laughs> but anyway, it's just like, it's yeah, I've seen it in stuff before. This is mm-hmm. not something that's completely out of nowhere. But it just seemed a little weird and it, because on top of this, one of the themes in this movie is that Bond is going to go rogue. And this is another one. This is one of those movies in. I feel Rogue like Bond is best Bond. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the Craig movies like do this a lot. Like both Skyfall and Spectre are them trying to force Rogue Bond stories. Mm-hmm. And Dalton's movies all are Rogue Bond. Like it, I feel like it's it's depending on the actor who does it, it either works or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in this case, it does work to have the Rogue Bond aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You kind of... Well, I think what it, it does... does... It doesn't take center stage, which is cool, too. Yeah, I feel like what it does is it takes the focus away from the fact that... Uh, it takes the focus away from the fact that you've casted another actor in the main role. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of the first instances of a sequel where somebody is completely replaced. And that's always, like shocking to have to deal with like in a series right like that it's it's one of those things that like either works very well or just does not work at all Mm -hmm. and it's just it is weird it is weird and and i imagine for audiences back then it's like yeah it's like you are recasting a character it's like if you were putting out iron man 5 and you decided to recast the character of tony stark with someone who's not robert downey jr Mm -hmm. and you're gonna cast an actor who's probably about 10 to 12 years younger or Mm -hmm. what they're talking about that they're gonna do with the mcu Mm x-men right like they're saying that they want to hire uh that they want to get one of the kids from Stranger Things to play EMCU X-Men. Really? Well, it's like a rumor that's going on on the internet, right? Uh, yeah, well, first let's watch fucking New Mutant Bomb first, and then, <laughs> and then talk to me. But that's what I mean. It's like, it, it's shocking when you have to go see, like, you know, such a massive change. I mean, how many franchise? people freaked out when Don Cheadle repra- replaced, like, Terrence Howard? Or yes. Or, you know, or how many people freaked out when Robert Pattinson is going to be the new Batman in the Matt Reeves movie, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Again, everything goes back to Batman, haha. But I think that's no, actually the most appropriate uh, comparison here. I, actually, the Hulk the Hulk one is, is appropriate, too. I feel like I like going back to the Hulk analogy. Oh, yeah, because you're just trying to push away from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's another good one. A lot of people didn't really like... Um, they definitely weren't feeling Eric Bana, <laughs> yeah. and then and then you go to uh, Ed Norton, and then you find out how much of a fucking terrible pain he well, was. Spider Man, Spider Man does it too, you know, that which we've had to deal with like several Don't new Spider Forty year old Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Anyway, <laughs> you get the point. Yeah. Guys. So so you know it, the movie really. I think the bulk of the middle of the movie kind of deals with his developing relationship with Tracy. Um, after being paid, yes. After being paid, pretty much. What's his name? Marcange is like, here's a bunch of money. Take out my daughter, and they go do shit like ride horses or other white people shit. Well, the funny thing is that the the way the movie is setting up, you think that Draco is probably going to be the villain of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. That's what like, I expected. That's, like that's where this is going, but. Thankfully, because you know, I watching this for the first time, that would be interesting too. Because really, what Bond is doing is he really is kind of he's romancing uh, Tracy while he discovers, you know, essentially 
where uh, Blofeld is. Cause right? uh, yeah, because like, the thing like, is, like his relationship to Tracy is a gateway to get to Blofeld. Because the thing is, if he knows he can romance Tracy and getting good with Mark Ange, he will tell him about Spectre. Because even though Mark Ange is like in a crime syndicate, he's not nearly as big as Spectre. Yes. So he that's the that's the end goal is he wants to, he wants Blofeld right. After his bond kind of returns to London, right, mm-hmm. which is where he uh, has like a meet up again with M, and he and M kind of get into a bit of a fight, uh, which is you know again it's it's kind of a classic. At least <laughs> I feel like it's very classic of Bond and M to like you know it's Are like you? The, it's like the the angry police captain and the reckless cop thing mm-hmm. that, that always happens in these Bond films, uh, but they go and they have an argument. Uh, Turn your badge and your weapon. Yeah, where <laughs> Bond literally actually tries to resign. Yeah. And he, like, says bye to, to Money Penny and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's not over and it's anything like that. But but anyway, he goes to, I guess, a birthday party of Draco, which is in Portugal. Yep. And, um... The, and this is the part where that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, this like, is the this part is... where Tracy and Bond start to have this... Like they're romance. not poking because they already poked, but yeah. you know that's when they're all when they're doing all this, uh, you know. Like, and you can tell that uh, James Bond is actually getting enamored with her, yes. and it's different, right? It's different from any other time. Yeah. Which the, the funny part about this part of the movie is again, Bond goes rogue, so his job is to kind of continue the mission on his own without mm-hmm. MI6. Which you know, you made a, a point at this time to mention that this movie doesn't really include gadgets. Mm-mm. The last one had the car with the ejector seat with like all the gadgets that come out of the car and all that stuff. Like, yeah. this has none of that, and it's kind of good to get a welcome break from that. It feels grittier, it feels more realistic. Quote unquote, you know, definitely more than, you know, Goldfinger, goddamn. His only um, gadget was his gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and so I guess uh, Draco kind of like he directs him to like a, this like law firm kind of deal in, in Switzerland, and uh, that's where Bond, uh, that's where. So this is where it gets a little complicated. Yeah, he, it gets discur- a- he discovers. For some reason, Blofeld wants the title of Count Balthazar de Blochamp. Yes. De Blochamp. De Blochamp. <laughs> so he's, like, getting, like, all this genetic, like, kind of like, you know, tracing, you know, like the 23andMe, where you, you try to find out all these different... Pretty, he's trying to find out his family, his yeah. family his uh, lineage. ties, so that way he can somehow claim the title of Count of Blochamp. But the thing is... They did not explain why this count hood is so goddamn important. Yeah. Is it? I don't think so. No, I, 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 I didn't catch that part of it. But anyway, uh, I guess the guy who he's corresponding with, the genealogist, his name is uh, Hillary Bray, or Sir <laughs> Hillary Bray. Hillary, that's a girl's name. <laughs> um, Bond essentially goes, uh, he goes to the Swiss Alps, uh, kind of posing as him. Yeah, uh, it would. I guess I don't know. Is this like a '60s thing where like they thought like smart professor types like wore like those fez hats? It was yeah. Actually, that is because, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, like Bond has the fez hat and he has like these coke bottle glasses that he wears and it's like so he, bizarre. And he kind of acts up a bit of a nerd voice, which you know, yeah, the, that, the vocal range on George Lazenby was kind of impressive. 
unless it was like someone else doing a voiceover over him, because yeah, it like didn't really sound like a lot of the Bond dialogue that he had. It sounded, For real. It sounded like he just had, he put on a wiener voice out of nowhere. I did want to point out that it's really cool because I guess when he does go talk to, or he does go to that College of Arms or whatever the fuck, he actually brings the Bond, um, the Bond family coat of arms. Oh. And then, I don't know if you caught that, but no. there's a part where they say the f- they find out the family motto, which is the world is not enough. Oh, I was nice. like, that's pretty cool. That was Love really it. dope. Um, so yeah, so going back to the Swiss Alps, he pretends to be um, Hillary Bray, and essentially he gets all the sex and food he could possibly want. Yes. But most importantly is he learns more about Blow- what go- Blofeld is doing in this weird like allergy research clinic. Yes, which this is the part where we get to the megalomaniac plot. <sighs> which God. is, I guess, Blofeld is trying to initiate biological warfare by giving people allergies? So, the well, no, no, so the idea is, it's much more stupid than that, <laughs> is that he has these 12 girls that were deathly allergic to something, he cures, quote-unquote, their allergies, because he found a way to, in, you know, to, to using hypnosis <laughs> and bacteria, yes, is essentially instructing them to be... Sleeper agents who he's going to send around the world with bacteria and they will release that fucking virus or whatever the shit to kill off food strains and crops all over the world and he's going to hold the world ransom for becoming Count de Bluchamp. And I'm just like, that seems very needlessly complicated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, why don't you just make a virus that kills everybody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is the part where we've gotten into the ridiculousness of some of these plots, right? Yeah. It gets a little bit cartoonish here. Uh, the other part that I love about this is when we were watching this, my wife goes, how many times are they going to kidnap him and not kill him? <laughs> Thank you! I'm glad, because I thought the same thing. <laughs> so... He he's um he Blofeld ends up blowing his cover because something that that James Bond says uh, is off. He picks up on it, and inst- again instead of just killing him when you find out that he's been lying this whole time and finding out he's a member of MI6, they fucking lock him up in the most easily escaped. Fucking room, apparently. Hey, at least they're not trying to kill him with the fucking gold laser in his dick. Oh my god, at least they're not fucking locking him in a bomb <laughs> inside <laughs> of a fucking Fort Knox. <laughs> oh my god, so he's able to, so he's a, James Bond is able to escape, breaks out. Um, meanwhile, Blofeld is, um, is instructing the girls, he gives them all presents on Christmas. Yes. So is this technically a Christmas movie? <laughs> Like, could we have reviewed this back in December? I never expected anyone to ever ask this question. Well, you didn't count on me and my stupid ass. Yeah, I have, I guess, I mean, I'm no, I mean, I guess it takes place around Christmas, but no, I would not qualify this as a Christmas movie. Cowards. <laughs> so it, so Blofeld ends up giving all these girls these presents that is just makeup, 
And he hypnotizes them and is like, you can have anything you want inside of the present. Do not open that vial until instructed. Right, which the vial is the, that's the bioweapon. Yeah, that's the bioweapon to kill off the, 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 the... the the plants and shit or the crops yeah. but the thing is they, why fucking put it like a vile lipstick or whatever fucking stupid ass <laughs> <laughs> so uh, James Bond ends up escaping via skis so he takes to skiing well the funny thing about this is this skiing scene it's the raddest it's ski <laughs> race ever well there's obviously the part where you're looking at Lazenby and like uh, and uh, Zavala's on the skis. You're obviously looking at rear projection again. <laughs> yeah. But, funny enough, one of the reasons why George Lazenby was not asked to return his bond, or did not return his bond, was because he wanted to do a lot of his stunts by himself and essentially, like, broke his arm during the filming of this film. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was one of the ski scenes where this may have happened. Um, but... <laughs> so the scenes where you see like you know don't see the face but you see somebody skiing down the slopes yeah that is obviously the stunt double mm-hmm. and then when you're looking at Blofeld and Bond that is when you're looking at the actual actors uh, but I will say this and I think we both talked about this this movie had the best action scenes of any of the old Bond movies oh hell yeah even even these scenes as camping like this is camping goofy um, there's one other scene that takes place later on that gets campy and goofy, but this, like, by what we've seen so far, isn't nearly as bad, right? So he ends up skiing down to this village down in, uh, this small Swiss village, um, Blofeld and his, uh, troops give, in his goons give chase, they ski <laughs> like down. We're just calling them goons. <laughs> I mean, that's what they are, yeah. they're just goons. They're henchmen. Eh, goons. <laughs> Look at you, you don't even have a name tag. <laughs> <laughs> you just lie down. <laughs> anyway, so as he's trying to hide in, in public, which, by the way, he's wearing those skin-tight ski pajamas. <laughs> yeah, all, all, I can think of, all I can think of is The Simpsons. Feels <laughs> like I'm wearing nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> ah, stupid, sexy flanders. <laughs> but I thought, you know, stupid, sexy George. <laughs> <laughs> so he tries to hide, and for some fucking reason... Tracy just happens to find him in the most deus ex machina moment of the entire movie. Love it. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Like, her dad probably told her, hey, your stupid not-husband is in (laughs) Switzerland. Go save his ass. Deus ex Tracy. (laughs) So she ends up saving him, which gives into a, 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 a car chase. And, you know, that they're chasing, um... They're chasing Bond and Tracy in this car. You know, the bad guys get in their cars and go after him. And they cra- They go into a race. Like, for some fucking reason, there's a race going on in this town as well. They go into the race. They start crashing around and pinballing with the actual racers. And then, um, you know, they they force a car accident where it's... What's her name? The, the Fraulein? <laughs> Yeah. Her and her goons, their car flips. <laughs> she was like, yeah, she absolutely is uh is the character of Frau from Austin Powers. Like the, yes. the angry like uh you Fire know, the laser <laughs> Yeah, the Hungarian women or whatever wherever European country she's from who is who's literally there just to... It's almost like the anti pussy galore, like evil pussy galore. Yeah. <laughs> Bunt. 
name is Bunnings. Oh, sweet. Everyone knows the most attractive women are Bulgarian and called Blunt. I mean, Bunnings. <laughs> yeah, they're called Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so their car ends up flipping in the middle of this race and immediately explodes. It is awesome how the middle of this car chase, they literally end up on a fucking NASCAR track. <laughs> it's so... I mean, they're obviously not in the U.S., but it's just like this ridiculous racetrack of cars. <laughs> so after Bunt and her car, or, you know, Bunt and her men escape the exploding car, uh, Tracy and uh, James Bond end up at this little farmhouse where they're able to hide the, the storm. You know, a storm picks up and it's snowing everywhere. And it's here where uh, James professes his love for Tracy and asks her to marry him, to which she responds, yes, you know? And he does... <laughs> this sneaky motherfucker. He's like, oh, well, you know, well, that, you know, I'd rather save ourselves to marriage. Because she immediately wants to fuck him, because yeah. she has a libido <laughs> fucking energizer, buddy. Why not? And he puts her on this, like, bed, makeshift bed, and he lies down. And then, uh, she, but she looks all mad. She's just like, James, I wanted sex. <laughs> and he's like, no, but <laughs> And then, like, you know. Are we just gonna do Simpsons We're doing Simpsons gags? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> anyway, um, then he ends up knocking her bed down, so she falls off. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were gonna say he ends up knocking her boots. I mean, they did knock boots, yeah, son. <laughs> But yeah, he's just like, oh, well, you know, good thing saving myself to marriage is my New Year's resolution, and it's not New Year's. Ah, <laughs> nailed it. And then, no, he nailed something on her <laughs> <laughs> So the next day, the next day, they end up uh, being attacked again by the <laughs> God damn it, it's like the longest fucking chase. <laughs> this movie is two and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> they get attacked by both. <laughs> Again, and they end up skiing again because they find skis in this farmhouse, which then leads to our second ski chase of the movie. Yes, and while they're uh, they they end up like skiing over a snowblower, one of the villains falls in and dies. And it's funny because it shoots snow, and then the snow turns red. To which James looks back and responds, "He had a lot of guts." And I'm just like, "Someone's dead, James." <laughs> That man had a family. He had a license to kill, also. Uh, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. We established that. So, Blofeld ends up grabbing, like, a flare gun. Yeah. And shoots it at the side of the mountain, which then causes an avalanche. Yeah! This avalanche ends up taking out Tracy and James, and uh, Blofeld, assuming that James is dead, ends up kidnapping Tracy. And uh, he makes his demands known to the rest of the, you know, the UN, I believe, telling them that if they don't make him count, he's going to destroy pretty much the world food supply. Uh, James goes back to London, confronts uh, confronts M, and you know tries to urge MI six direct involvement, to which M is adamant about not doing, and tells James Bond to stand down. Bond and refuses, and this is, and he goes rogue, and mm -hmm. he calls um, Tracy's dad, and essentially grabs his bunch of goons, and then they 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 mount an assault on uh, Blofeld's mountain base. All right, now this is an awesome action scene. Mm -hmm. 
No. By, not just by 60 standards, but I think just like movie standards. I general. think I think I, I, I'm not stepping out of bounds by saying this is one of the better action scenes in movie history. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think one of the things that makes it very iconic is the fact that it isn't snow. Mm-hmm. On her, everyone knows on Her Majesty's Secret Service specifically because of this snow scene. Just like everyone remembered Empire Strikes Back because mm-hmm. of the ad-ad and the snow scene on Hoth. Like, that is that is what makes this iconic and memorable. It was in the James Bond video games. I don't, I don't know if it was in GoldenEye, but it definitely was in either Nightfire or Agent Underfire for PS2. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, like, a playable level, like, with the, like, you know, ski lifts and all that stuff. Um, and also, like, I think in the last decade, Chris Nolan did an entire love letter to this scene in Inception. Mm-hmm. In that, like, second level dream to the mm-hmm. point where you saw Blofeld's base and you even asked if Blofeld's base was like what Chris Nolan used in Inception. <laughs> well not only that, like Ken Watanabe's group in that scene are dressed like yes. James Bond and his group of uh Nolan anti Yeah, Nolan is a noted fan of James Bond and there was a time where people thought that he probably would do a James Bond film. I think the main reason why he won't do it is because Warner Brothers has essentially given him the Stanley Kubrick contract where he, like... Make whatever the fuck you want. Just make it for us. Yeah, and, and he's like, ooh, money. Yeah. Plus, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this. I kind of appreciate that James Bond, that, that he, instead of doing James Bond, is doing original things. And I think we're going to see his, like, action film when he does Tenet oh coming God, out. Tenet looks so dope. It looks amazing. And I, again, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we'll plus, get back to it when it yeah. comes out. But again, this is an iconic film uh, action scene, period. It is great, like, to the point, to the scenes where even, uh, like, you have sliding Bond with guns. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fantastically choreographed. And I think one of the things that you just appreciate a lot about it is, again, they took away all the ridiculous gadgets. There's no odd job in this. No, there's no fucking <laughs> stupid fucking henchman with the gimmick. Yeah. It's... It is. It's an assault. Yeah, like you if, said. And while like James Bond and uh, and uh, these crime dudes, these mobsters, are attacking the front, um, Tracy's actually able to escape and fight off a bunch of the goons. Um, and you know James ends up fighting his way in and finds the computer console that has a picture of all the girls. Who've been uh, brainwashed by Blofeld. Mm-hmm. So he takes the pictures, uh, assuming to take him t- uh, back to MI6 so that they can find the girls. Um, and he and he confronts uh, he confronts Blofeld. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the what's it called the his group end up wiring the base to explode. They escape with Tracy. <laughs> Tracy tries to fight, fight, you know, fight back and tell them, "I want to go save James. I need to go help him." To which her father responds by punching her in the face, yeah, <laughs> and knocking her out, <laughs> which is quite shocking to the both of us. I guess her father is the Sean Connery in this storyline. Oh, you disrespect to me, eh? <laughs> Oh, fuck. Your accents just get more offensive and worse. Especially since they're Portuguese. Like. <laughs> so, you decided to give them an Italian accent. I even did the Italian hands. <laughs> you can hear it on an audio... You can hear visuals in an audio media. <laughs> so, they end up... Um, they end up escaping with Tracy and James Bond. Oh, you think God is not another fucking ski chase? 
face. Yeah. <laughs> this time it's a bobsled chain. Oh, yeah. Cool running start. <laughs> James Bond. Pretty much. Like, fucking chubby-ass Telly Savalas throws himself into a bobsled and just takes off. James Bond finds another bobsled conveniently placed right behind the last one. The most ridiculous part of this scene is when he pulls the pin on a grenade that he's about to throw to James Bond and, like, it never explodes until after he throws it in the snow. That's like, he magic, literally baby. is holding onto that grenade for, like, a minute. It should have exploded. Uh, wait, wait, wait. That was ridiculous? Well, Not the ridiculousness of trying to get away on a one-lane track? <laughs> well, then there's also this part where Bond tries to shoot him in the head, but obviously he has a bulletproof helmet. Stupid ass! So you didn't think of that? <laughs> so his, like, bullet, like, just ricochets off his helmet. <laughs> it's it's uh, in a movie that done really good job, a really good job of not being campy and stupid. It's a misstep. It hits eighty percent. I'll I'll accept eighty yeah, percent. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> so the grenade ends up destroying James Bond's pop slot. But instead of dying... <laughs> like a normal human! James Bond actually hops on the sled that Blofeld is on. And then they just start fighting on this fucking... Oh, fuck. This scene sled. was really hard to look at because it kept, like, cutting back and forth between the actual scene of the bobsled and yeah. then, like, the rear projection. I think the idea <laughs> is if they kept cutting away, they wouldn't realize how stupid it looks. <laughs> so finally, you know, the Bond gets the upper hand, ends up raising uh, Blofeld so that he gets knocked James wedged. Bond's got the upper hand. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so he, like, lifts up Blofeld so that he gets wedged in between two tree branches, on breaking his neck, I think? Not even dead. He literally looks like he probably just fell asleep or is knocked out. <laughs> so he, he gently rides the way to the bottom, and I guess they just leave him. <laughs> I'm sure he was arrested at some point. Apparently not, but... (laughs) So anyway... That's true. (laughs) He was only believed dead or must have been kidnapped. I guess he's believed dead if, if, you know, we see him later. But anyway, this movie does something very revolutionary in that it posits the idea that James Bond is going to get married to Tracy now. Mm -hmm. Which... I'm actually kind of bringing this back to when we watched Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. At least it's not Batman. <laughs> uh, where we watched much of that movie and it's Anakin and Padme and it's like kind of a quote unquote love story. I feel like this movie is kind of like that too. Again, they felt like equals the entire time. She very much feels like the co-star in this film. Oh, definitely. Which, which modern Bond movies with Daniel Craig do this more now. Like they've they've casted actresses with you know, who are very, uh, very well-known actresses and give them big parts now. And this was the first movie to kind of do that. So Bond marries Tracy. <laughs> and uh, after the wedding is over, you know, M is there, Q is there. Uh, he has this Money really... Penny's there. Yeah, he has this really, like, sad, kind of sweet goodbye to Money Penny. You know, their relationship is over now. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to... 
flirt with her at work anymore. Because you're assuming he's retiring as well. Yes, like this is it for him. Like the you're not sure how much longer he wanted to be Bond, but this is definitely his final mission. And you have that moment where M is talking to Draco and is like, "Oh, so you're the one responsible for killing some of my best yeah. agents?" Like. <laughs> And so you have the criminals and fucking super cops like being buddy buddy. Weird it as was, fuck, but... It's such a stupid hokey like superhero trope. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and yeah, like you really do feel like it's a it's a um, it's it's James Bond turning a page and ending an era, right? Yes. So they end up driving away from the wedding. Oh, and you know the thing is, Draco tried to pay him because he told him that if he marries his daughter, he would give him like a million dollars or some yes. shit. But obviously, he's marrying for love. Stupid. So he gives him his money back. Yeah, and he like, drives away with Tracy. I mean, why would you take your father-in-law's money like that anyway? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was weird, especially since you know it's like stolen money. Right. And obviously this is going by too long and you're seeing too much of it for this to be the actual ending of the film. So you know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They end up pulling over on the side of the road. They talk about how many kids they want to have. Do they want to have six or more? And uh, <laughs> They really say three boys, three girls. Yeah. <laughs> to which James Bond, res- James Bond responds, oh, that's a good start. And I was like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a dog and I'm like, oh, I can't imagine... <laughs> I can imagine this shit for 18 years. Is that how you describe parenthood? Yeah, it's, you have a dog that slowly learns to talk. <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> while this is happening, James Bond has to pull over on the side of the road, and that's where, in a drive-by, shocking... <laughs> Blowfeld and Buns <laughs> They keep that chop on them And they end up doing a drive-by And murdering Tracy Yeah. And uh, once that's over A policeman drives by uh, You know, comes by them Their car in the middle of the road and James, guess, be careful I saw some people with a gun driven by And, uh, you know, Bond is kind of like In denial about it at first And then obviously it ends with him sobbing into her face as the credits begin to roll. It, it's a very sad ending. It's, it's a, a somber jarring ending. ending compared to the rest of the movie. You know? Oh man, you're gonna fucking hate how Diamonds Are Forever deals with this. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get there, uh, do we like uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service? Very much so. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I felt the times it was campy and it was... Uh, Goofy definitely didn't take it away overall. It was definitely a gritty departure from the campiness that we, at this point, would have been used to. Uh, Lazenby was great. I thought he was a very charming... He played, he played Bond in a way that was charming. Um, kind of like, not, I don't want to say soft-spoken, but, you know, like, he played Bond in a gentler way, quote-unquote. Yes, quote. absolutely. Like he, he played him in a lot more smooth way. Absolutely. And, and I really enjoyed it, also, but he still played him in a way, in a very um, aggressive way, and that he could, he, he, the fights were fucking dope, you know, and he looked like somebody that wasn't just throwing haymakers, you know, he actually, like, there was some martial arts moves in there. <laughs> So it was, um, you know, all in all, I thought, yeah, the Blofeld's plan was a little campy, but I mean, Tully Savalas did a great job. I think he was a very, he was a very memorable villain. I thought, 
Um, actress that played Tracy was great. Like, all around, it was just really good acting performances. And, yeah, some campy shit in the script. But, I mean, it's the 60s. What can you do, right? So, I discovered in the time that we've done this episode. I've long held From Russia With Love as my favorite Bond movie Mm -hmm. of the earlier films. And I have to say, that's not true anymore. I think On Her Majesty's Secret Service is better. Mm -hmm. Um, From Russia With Love has a bit more of the dark sensibilities that this does. But I I just have to admit, I I much preferred the Lazenby Bond uh, to Sean Connery in that film. As much as I loved... I, Sean Connery is still the best Bond. Mm-hmm. I do really like how this Bond fits into this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's perfect. And I feel like, if I remember correctly, there is... Once we get to Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton, I think there's parts of that where where I do get reminded of this. As well as some of the Daniel Craig Bond bits, right? Mm-hmm. Where I do feel like they go back to this. I think it's one of the more memorable entries in this franchise, uh, despite the fact that you know it, it, it got a bad reputation at the time because it did it feature a different actor, and people weren't really sure how to take that back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, people don't know how to take that now. Yeah, but, it's, but you know what? Like, definitely, I think it's aged very well. Lazenby was definitely like it sucks that he didn't come back to reprise the role. I also am very excited that I got to introduce this to you for the first time mm-hmm. because I think it's definitely worthwhile to get an opinion of someone who's not me, who's a giant mega fan of this franchise, uh, also enjoy it. You know, to to the extent that I did. So. Definitely one of the best Bond movies I've seen. I don't know if I would put it up there in my as like my number one favorite, but definitely top three. Sweet. <laughs> All right, so that is. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode, and uh, next week we're gonna be back by doing uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We were gonna try to do Cats, but we realized there's no way to watch Cats right now <laughs> until it comes out on video. So. It's a, it's that awkward time where it's in playing in like two or three shitty th- theaters that we might get stabbed in. Yes, and also because the Oscars are coming up, I mentioned in our Joker podcast episode that I'm quite sure that this movie. Uh, once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win the Academy Award. Remember, we got a bet. So, $100 says that this movie doesn't win. Let's go, Jojo Rabbit! <laughs> uh, so, we'll be talking about that next week. And we'd like to thank everybody for continuing to follow the podcast. Uh, we really want to thank people for the feedback that we've gotten on the Joker episode. I think people do like uh, people do like when we talk DC because we tend to go... I feel like we tend to have longer conversations when we go into that. Yeah, fucking The Dark Knight was like a two-hour episode. <laughs> we haven't done Dark Knight. No, I Batman mean, that begins. Shut yeah. up. You know what I mean? No, Dark Knight is still going to be like... I feel like Dark Knight is... Once we hit like 3,000 downloads, I feel like that should be like the... That should be where we finally say, all right, let's fucking do this. Well, that's what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to just be along for the ride. <laughs> or we can sell that one until the Batman finally comes out. Ah, man. There's a lot. This 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 episode has like 500% more Batman references than I thought it would. Yeah. This like entire podcast show should be called do we Six like Degrees Batman? of Batman. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do an offshoot one day. <laughs> but uh, again, thanks for joining us. We hope you're appreciating this uh, series, like going through these James Bond films. Honestly, I really feel like for the people who listen to the show or who are either fans of this franchise already or have never watched a single Bond movie, I hope you can follow us around on this journey 
because I think it is fun to kind of go through movies, especially that are this old, that kind of, that go really far beyond, like, you know, when we were born, mm-hmm. that still resonate with a lot of pop culture today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess until we talk to you guys next time, uh, this is it for this week. I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds.